You're listening to the Rob Review Podcast. Evan Rob and Laura Rob share their thoughts and opinions on teaching, learning, and leadership. And now, the Rob Review Podcast with Evan and Laura. This is Evan Rob, and I'm joined today with Laura Rob. This is the Rob Review Podcast. Laura, welcome to the Rob Review Podcast. Oh, and I'm so happy, Evan, to be here today because we're going to talk about a very, very important topic. And I know that means reading, and that is one of the topics that you are most passionate about. And one of the things that I'm excited about today is we are doing a podcast in conjunction with a blog post that has just come out on the Rob Review blog titled, Teaching Readers, Not Programs. Laura, that's a blog that you contributed, and it's a great blog, and I recommend it to anyone that's listening to this podcast. Teaching students and learning from them and the need for materials to meet the diverse learners in a reading class. That's that's a big sentence, uh, but that's what I gather when I, when I read your most recent post on the Rob Review blog. So I'd like you to begin by telling us a little bit about the recent post that you made. What inspired you to write to write that? What really inspired me to write it are a lot of practices that I see around the, the country, the whole class novel or uh, one, you know, one basal program or computer programs with short text because short text will not build stamina and skill. We need long books. Uh, but the thing that really troubles me is when I go into classes or I meet with teachers, the fact that there are students in their class reading two, three, four years below their grade level, but they're not reading because they don't have materials that meet their needs. So what I am trying to get across is that if we believe that we teach readers, the first thing is we find books that they can read at their instructional level. Um, because that's the only way they're going to make progress. They have to read. The other <clears throat> flip part of this is that while students are reading, once we present a mini lesson or think aloud, we need to watch them because we can learn from them. We listen to their conversation. We think about the questions they ask. We read what they write about reading. Uh, we see what they don't do as much as what they do do, have a conference with them because we need to get inside their heads and their hearts to find out why they aren't reading or why reading is not successful. And I'm excited that you're sharing that. And what you're talking about is the teacher as a professional, the, the teacher with the trained eye to observe readers in the classroom, to make instructional decisions based off of formative assessment, and most importantly, to build the classroom around books, books that are appropriate to meet the instructional needs of the readers within the classroom. And although we're not going into this a lot within this podcast, there is a penchant, certainly across the country, to quickly remove books and, and focus on a specific program. The other thing I see is this pacing that a school district will say on uh, you know Wednesday, everybody has to have finished page 58. Well, what about the children who didn't get the, uh, the lesson on page 58, who didn't understand the information? They're going to go backwards. They're not going to be attended to, and that's not what teaching is all about. So you mentioned, Evan, that 
the teacher as professional. That is probably the biggest key to success in teaching reading. We know, and Richard Allington has done studies of this, that it's the teacher who makes a difference. It needs to start in pre-service education, and we need change there. We need teachers who come in and are knowledgeable about children's books, picture books, YA books, across the curriculum. We need teachers in pre-service who are learning collaboratively and doing projects together just as they will teach their children. This is unfortunately not happening across the country. You know, and I, I appreciate you sharing that. And, and I get really excited when I hear conversations about the teacher as a professional, about the skills that they need to have and need to continue to develop uh, as they become better at their, at their craft. Um, I have also, and I've shared this before on this podcast, uh, conducted many interviews over the years, probably hundreds. Um, I've been a principal since 1998, um, and many times when I've asked young people about how they would teach a novel uh, in a classroom, the typical response is some form of choral reading, popcorn reading, or games like Bump, um, which which are concerning because that's not necessarily, uh, well, actually necessarily is not the right word. That is not a way for students to become better readers. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's just filling up time and not teaching reading. So, um, you know, I want to see pre-service education change, but I also want every school in this country to invest in teachers by using social media, by having on-site professional development um, at the building level. You can bring in someone like me for inspiration, but ultimately it's the people at the building level that have to build their own background knowledge and keep abreast of the newest research. So Laura, let me let me drill that down a little bit and let's say, uh, hopefully we're speaking to some principal somewhere in America and they're thinking about professional development for their staff and they're thinking about where do I start? You know, I understand the big picture, I understand where I wanna get to, but if I was to come up with one, two or three things that I could start on, where would my initial point be? What would I do? Okay. A really easy thing to do is to find articles that um, teach the the teachers um, about how children uh, should be learning in the 21st century. They can, you can post it on a platform like Google Docs. They can ask questions. They can comment. Uh, teachers can read each other's comments. They can discuss the article at a faculty meeting. If you begin by posting one a month, the advantage to this is that the teacher can read the article and respond when he or she has time. It's not at one specific scheduled moment because we know that people seem to be busier than ever. The other thing I think that you can do is to change the focus of faculty meetings. And I know that you've done a lot of this so that you send out schedule changes and information uh, in an email, but the focus of the faculty meeting is reading a short professional article and having the teachers discuss it and write about it in ways that their students will be doing it. You know, and Laura, the, the, the buzzword for that nowadays would be a flipped faculty meeting. Uh, but it is an opportunity to change the dynamic of a faculty meeting. Many, many, I know for me, years ago, faculty meetings were, uh, they did not necessarily emulate good teaching 
or, or maybe I should say they emulated a lot of the teaching that I saw at that time, which was everyone sitting while one person disseminated information. Um, Let me tell you about a funny, my experience uh, in my early years of teaching, the faculty meetings was just one person talking. So some of us bought knitting, some people were darning socks, other people were, uh, women were embroidering, and the men were very angry because they didn't have this kind of craft skill. But it was like an antidote to just listening to somebody drone on. And we know learning is active, and it should be active for the teachers as well as, of course, for the students. Yeah, I think it's a really good point. I think that faculty meetings should and, and can emulate the same types of collaboration uh, and creativity that occurs within a classroom. It seems perplexing to me why, how one could expect a tremendous uh, dynamic instruction within a classroom, but conduct faculty meetings like they were conducted half a century ago. I couldn't agree more. The faculty meeting is using the lecture, which we know people can only listen for uh, a short time span, and faculty meetings are an hour, so after 15 minutes, Nobody is really listening. So, Laura, as I bring some clarity um, as we start moving towards the end of this podcast, your message here is is simple, but 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 can involve a lot of change, which is that first of all, we need to accept that we will always have diverse readers within classrooms um, in any state in any part of the United States of America. The question is is what is the best way to go about helping those students? Okay, the, the best way is if, if we want readers, they have to read a lot. Uh, the teacher has to read aloud and use that as an instructional piece. The students have to read at school at their instructional level with the teacher supporting them. And then they need to do a lot of independent reading. So what schools need to spend money on, instead of hundreds of thousands on programs, which are basically grade level or short texts, that they invest in training teachers so the teacher can be a professional decision maker, and they buy books. Not only book rooms for instruction, but instructional uh, libraries in the classroom for independent reading. Well, Laura Robb, you, you always sum it up so well. You are talking about investing in great literature. You are talking about investing in teachers, and you are certainly... Uh, waving a caution flag uh, for people who are seeking a quick fix to invest in a particular program and believing that that may actually create a solve. Right. Let me tell you something, Evan. I've been teaching a long time, more than 40 years, and I have not seen one program that's a quick fix. What I have seen are amazing teachers who know how to inspire students to read, who have the materials and the books to give students choice uh, and develop that engagement and motivation that we seek. Laura, as we wrap up this podcast, I thank you for your wisdom. I thank you for your candor. I always appreciate that you are, you can be very blunt, which is good because um, some of these things are, are important and people need to hear. They absolutely need to hear. And I, I also appreciate the fact that in your school, your students are reading books, that you are taking care of those students who are struggling with reading and, not, and making sure they're not staying in the same place for the three years they're at Johnson Williams Middle School, but that we are constantly looking at their progress and 
working hard as a team to move them forward. Thank you very much, Laura. Thank you to everyone for listening to the Rob Review podcast. You can check out the Rob Review blog for more information on this particular topic. Remember, Laura just released a topic called Teaching Readers, Not Programs. This is Evan Rob, along with Laura Rob. Thank you for listening to the Rob Review podcast. We hope you enjoyed the Rob Review podcast. Check out our blogs at therobreviewblog.com and tell a friend. Thanks again, and see you next time.